Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show National Title Game Reaction Edition. I just got done covering the game in lovely Miami Gardens, Florida. Ari Wasserman joining us live. Well, it's not live when you're listening to it, but it's live when we're talking from Cabo. Ari, I think you you had the better spot for the game, but it was something because for a game that that was a, this much of a blowout, there's a lot to talk about. You know, I, I was really shocked by how Alabama at, at one point, because remember, it was 14-14, it was 21-14, it was 21-17, and you thought, okay, Ohio State's going to be able to hang, and then Alabama just hit the gas, and it was over. And I I think the, the lasting image of the game is going to be tough Borland trying to cover Devonte Smith, which look, that's never going to work ever. Yeah, no, there's, there's no doubt about it. And I think it's kind of the microcosm of the entire game. Really. When you look at it, it, it wasn't so much that um, Ohio state wasn't athletically built to compete in this game. It was that their defense wasn't put in a position to, to compete at the highest level. And if you put, uh, a, a linebacker who not not disparaging him in any way, but is probably the slowest player on the team, uh, or at least the slowest player on the field against the Heisman Trophy winner. You know that's what's going to happen, and that's you know he's supposed to have help over the top. The help wasn't there. They had guys playing out of position, and when we talked about the game leading into it, Andy, we talked about how Ohio State didn't have uh, as much of an opportunity to work through some of these issues in the secondary and those issues popped up again. And part of the reason why they were masked in the, in the Clemson game was that they were able to get after Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, unfortunately for Ohio state, Mac Jones could have read a Stephen King novel in the pocket and, and still gotten his, his passes off. Like, like the stand, like, like over a thousand pages. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Those are quick reads, but you know, still, <laughs> uh, he, he had all the time in the world and, you know, it kind of looked to me that, Ohio State was doing everything in its power to, you know, keep things in front of them, uh, let Alabama take things under the top, but their defense didn't have a chance the entire game. And, you know, it's been a long time since Ohio State hasn't had a chance defensively to get a single stop, let alone stay in a football game. And, you know, you you put yourself in a position to to not be able to compete. And my my thing always is if you build this team the way that Ohio State's been built and they're in the national championship game because they are built this way, then part of you just has to let them, the athletes go and, and get after the quarterback blitz more, you know, get in faces. And if you get beat over the top a few times and you get beat over the top a few times, but it just wasn't Ohio state football. And part of the reason why is because Alabama is a juggernaut, you know, and you know, that's kind of the way the game goes. But at the same time too, I don't think that anybody uh, from the Ohio state 
side of things would look at that and say this team was put in the best position to win. And if you look at at the defense, that's the, a good place to start. And maybe part of the reason they weren't able to get after the quarterback as efficiently as they did in the Clemson game is because they didn't have Tommy Togiai or Ty, Tyreek Smith. But that's not an excuse. They they just didn't get put in the best positions. And even offensively, they didn't do some of the things that they that we've become accustomed to seeing. So, you know, the best team in the college football clearly won. It wasn't the game that we all hoped for, but you know, at the end of all this uh, weird year, the best team won and here we are. So, you know, what does that mean for the context of the sport or Ohio state or Clemson and all that stuff moving forward is what we'll talk about tonight and in the months moving forward. Well, and the best player in college football was the best player on the field. Uh, Devonte Smith, 12 catches, 215 yards, three touchdowns, all in the first half because he dislocated his finger early in the second half. They couldn't get it put back in, Nick Saban said. Uh, he Smith was was begging to play in the second half in spite of that, uh, but he did not end up getting back in the game. Uh, Jalen Waddell, who came back from, from an injury very probably quicker than, than most people could, uh, played. He wasn't himself, obviously, but but he played, and especially after Smith went out, he played a bigger role. Yeah, I think it's a shame uh, that we got robbed of what I think might have been one of the best single postseason performances in the history of the sport. I mean, what he was able to do, <laughs> partly because of Ohio State's defensive uh, alignment deficiencies, but in part because he's just the best player in the in the country. Um, imagine putting that together for four quarters. And it's funny because there was a time, even Andy, in the second half when Ohio State was down by 14 in the middle of the third quarter and were a down or two away from getting off the field. And, you know, maybe they could have gotten within seven and made it a football game. But Ohio State couldn't stop Bama even uh, when things weren't down uh, or even when things were down. With Devontae Smith off the field, Mac Jones rolled an ankle, Najee Harris was on the sideline, Jalen Waddle could barely walk, and they still scored a touchdown. And, so and so Mac away. Jones actually had a, a really bad bone bruise that they initially thought was a a broken bone and he didn't he didn't break it he said he, they, they took x-rays at the stadium but i i'm with you that drive right after smith went out where it was you know because smith was so dominant in the first half and he goes out and you're thinking okay what will they be able to do without him and they still marched it right down the field yeah, no, and it was a it was a point in the game where Ohio State technically could have gotten back in it, and you know Alabama's first drive in the in the second half, uh, they went seven minutes and kicked the field goal, um, but and then Ohio State answered that with a one minute touchdown drive. Once they were unable to get off the field, there that was it. That was the game, and you know it, it's funny because we talked about how many times will Ohio State stop. Alabama, or would Ohio State be able to string three stops consecutively like they did against Clemson? And they didn't really do it once until the game was out of reach. And you can't win a national championship against a team that's that talented without stopping them. And, you know, too, I think like Ryan Day is known for his aggressiveness, but there were some things in the first half there that just weren't consistent with the way that we've seen him call games, Andy. I thought the fourth and nine uh, punt in, in plus territory was kind of weird. And I get that fourth and nine, you uh, you know, are, are kind of far out there. But Adam wouldn't punt the ball to Alabama in plus territory unless it's fourth and 20. Um, the second thing was the field goal from the opposing six. And the third thing was kind of running it out right before halftime when Alabama scored. They had a minute and a half left. It almost just felt like, you know, they were trying not to lose instead of trying to win. And, 
you know, if they would have gotten another touchdown there or, or been more aggressive and, you know, put themselves in a position to maybe make this game a little bit closer going into the half, uh, this might have gone differently. But, you know, I think you, at the you end, notice Alabama did try to put a dagger in. Yeah. There at the end of the first half, they didn't wind up being able to do it. Was it close. But they tried. Imagine running out the clock and still leaving enough time for your opponent to score again in a blowout. They, it was just, you know, it, it wasn't the way that Ohio State wanted things to go. And of course, they lost two defensive linemen uh, before the game. They lost Wyatt Davis, their best offensive lineman, potentially. Trey Sermon got injured on the first drive. You know, the things just, it just wasn't Ohio State's night. Uh, but I don't know that any of that stuff would have made a difference in the long haul. Um, it just yeah, looked I, like I'm they, not sure it would have yeah. mattered against this team. I, I, I think the bigger question is, this team versus 2019 LSU, who you got. And I think it's a really, it'd be a fun game because, you know, this team obviously is, is somewhat similar to, to last year's Alabama team, not completely. Uh, but we know they played a classic in Tuscaloosa. LSU was the better team that day. It was, you know, they, they were up two scores and, and Bama would score and, and make it one, a one score game. But LSU wasn't uncomfortable for most of the game, this would have been a fun hmm. hypothetical matchup. We'll be right back after these words. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Is Mac Jones a better Alabama quarterback than Tua Tungavailoa? 36 for 45, 464 yards and five touchdowns. With, with part of that coming... With his best receiver out and his leg just completely throbbing, and yeah. potentially, you know, they, they thought it, he may have thought it was broken at that point too, because they, they needed the, the X-rays to prove it. So, yeah, I, I think it, it's amazing how much he just took over this offense. And I thought Steve Sarkeesian called a great game. The way they moved Devonte Smith around in the first half to get him open. The different things they did with him, uh, they'd move him all over the field, they'd put him in motion, 
Uh, he'd go in motion and go back to where he was and just really messed with, with Ohio State badly. And, you know, it, it's funny because I, I always think about those teams. Like, I remember when Tyler Lockett was at Kansas State, and you knew that Tyler Lockett was going to be targeted every time because they didn't really have a lot else in terms of, of receiving weapons. And he'd still catch like 12 balls a game. He just got open all the time. Devontae Smith is like that. You, they know he's, they know they're throwing to him, and it doesn't matter. He still gets open. Remember before the game, uh, we were talking, and I said, "Would Devontae Smith with a 200-yard game and a two-touchdown game would Ohio State be able to win?" And like we were trying to talk ourselves through it, and like the fact of the matter is, is that even giving him the ridiculous stat line before wasn't enough to to give him the credit of how he changed this football game. 12 oh, receptions for 215 yards and three three touchdowns and a half. And, you know, it's like insane to me to think that the guy could have potentially had a 350-yard receiving day. He could have had 20 receptions. There was nothing that Ohio State did from a personnel standpoint, from a schematic standpoint, or from even a heart standpoint to stop this guy. And it was almost like they didn't know he was good. It was such a strange, <laughs> it was such a strange defensive strategy to me. And, you know, Ohio state's defensive staff did not put Ohio state in the best poten potential position to compete in this football game. They just didn't. I just, I, I'm not sure what they could have done though, because Alabama and Sarkeesian were doing such a good job of moving Smith around. And now there should never be a, a situation where Tough Borland has to cover Devonte Smith. So that 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 is a pretty damning thing for the Ohio State defensive. Well, staff they had there. A, they had some defensive backs playing out of position. They had a corner playing safety, and Correct. you know uh, guys and that, who were, and, that, and he probably and and he was the guy who could have who, who should have been, been there over the top. Yes. Yeah, it's like you want to put Tough Borland in a in a race with some. I don't know that he would outrun some offensive linemen. And, you know, again, it's not his position to do that. So, you know, everybody's going to look at I saw somebody <laughs> posted uh, on Twitter uh, a video of that play saying 32's check engine light came on. It's like everybody's check engine light would come on against that guy. It, it's yeah. not his position to cover Devontae Smith. Well, and that's, the, fact and, that and he that's was, the thing. The best corners in college football can't cover Devontae Smith. And the fact that he was in that position is just another reminder that things weren't schematically correct you know play more nickel get another defensive back out there maybe send more blitzes do something to disrupt it and you know sitting back and allowing this to happen is not the strategy that i would have picked yeah it, it is truly amazing how the heisman trophy winner best guy on the field kept popping open didn't wide didn't open seem, yeah i mean <laughs> you you almost at a certain point want to try to play a box in one, but I realize you can't I, the football version of a box in one, obviously where you've got a corner and he's just completely bracketed with a, with a safety. But I don't think you can do that against Alabama, unfortunately, because the, the other weapons are too good. I mean, Najee Harris is, is insanely good. Mechie, you saw him do some things tonight. You saw Billingsley do some things tonight. They just have too many weapons. Yeah. And it's just like, those are the teams that win the national title, Andy. I mean, like last year, LSU was felt the same way. And it's almost like what defense in college football, what team in college football could have stopped that? And if the answer is nobody, then you win the national championship. So, you know, Ohio State was equipped from a personnel standpoint to 
be competitive with Alabama. And I think that, you know, had two, two or three things gone a different way that maybe they would have been competitive, but there's no question about who the best team on the field was. And there's no question about who the net, who, who the best team in college football is. And that team won the national championship. So just, you know, it's nice to, to get through this season and crown the team that absolutely deserved to be there. And Alabama was that team. And what Nick Saban has done, not only from a building standpoint, but from a maintenance standpoint, the ability to to maintain this program and keep it going at this trajectory, winning a national championship this season and signing the best class in the history of the 247 Sports Composite class in 2021. And it's just like, this is a machine. And Chris Vanini, our esteemed colleague, wrote or tweeted this, and it was just a stat to, to ring home true. You can say seven national championships, but even that doesn't do it justice. Here's the stat. Every four-year class recruited by Nick Saban at Alabama has won at least one national title spanning his last 14 classes. Like, you can definitively say to every recruit in America, if you come to Alabama, you will win a national title before you leave. And that goes for people who only played three years and left. Because, you know, the stat also says that the, the there's never been a uh, uh, two non-title seasons between their national championships in that same span, which means even three and done players have won one too. So, you know, what the man's been able to do, not only in restructuring the way the sport works, um, but to maintain, to adapt, to uh, adjust his offense when it was becoming obsolete, to continually replace high-end coordinators with other coordinators who go on to do great things and then get jobs elsewhere is just remarkable. And, I, you know, he's the best coach, in my, as far as I'm concerned, in the history of the sport. Well, here, here's the part that, that's really amazing. So at Alabama, we won't even count LSU, where he, he won a national title there with Jimbo Fisher as an offensive coordinator. At Alabama, he has won national titles with the following offensive coordinators. Jim McElwain, Doug Nussmeyer, Lane Kiffin, Brian Dable, Steve Sarkeesian. McElwain's the only one with multiples. Well, what do you think is the hardest thing that a coach has to do to maintain greatness at a program? I would say that hiring and replenishing your coaching staff is the number one thing. 100%. And and so I, I didn't mention defensively, you know, Kirby Smart was there for a lot of that time. So he was there for four national titles, but but now he's also won a national title with Jeremy Pruitt as defensive coordinator and Pete Golding as his defensive coordinator. It, it's, it is amazing. And, and this year, I think, really was the cherry on top for me because he had replaced all these, all these on-field assistants and they had very little drop-off. And when they did have drop-off, he, very, he moved quickly to correct the situation. But this time, he lost Scott Cochran last year. He lost the strength coach who had been with him since he got to Alabama, who was kind of his minister of culture and, and consigliere and the, the guy who had the most day-to-day -day contact with the players. So if there ever was going to be a drop-off in terms of culture or a change or a shift, this was going to be it. Well, they bring in the, the two strength coaches from Indiana, and there is not only zero drop-off, it feels like they got better. Yeah, I mean, part of the reason, too, is that their their players are already really good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the thing, too, is, and I don't just mean to sound like a broken record, but 
when you bring in the best players in college or in high school, they're going to be the best players in college. And, you know, the ability to do that with different staffs, with a revolving door of, of different staffs, and now to continue to do it a year after losing a strength coach who, you know, by and large is probably the most important coach on the staff because he's with the players year round. Um, it's just remarkable. And I don't know that, you know, for how much money and resources and time and sweat goes in at these other programs that are trying to be on that same level, the Ohio States, the Clemsons, you know, the Oklahomas of the world. I don't know what the bar is for greatness. It's like even when you try to break down what Ohio State's ceiling is, Ohio State's ceiling is probably winning the national championship tonight or, or, or beating Alabama and being good the following year. But like the idea of winning seven over a course of a 12 or whatever year period it is, I don't know that's even an achievable thing to duplicate anywhere well, else. Let's, let's talk about Ohio State. Think about how good they've been since Urban Meyer took over in 2012. And obviously he handed off to Ryan Day and, and Ryan Day has been out, outstanding too. But they have been consistently great. They have been consistently one of the best recruiting programs in college football, either the second or third best recruiting program nearly every year. They won one national title in that span. One. Right. You know, Alabama has, since 2012, won four. That's It's crazy. Clemson, one of the best runs you'll ever see, they've won two in this span. Now, maybe they can win some more, but it just it feels like Saban keeps getting better, keeps reloading more. And, you know, I wrote about this this week with – with what Alabama and Ohio State do in terms of developing players for the draft and how it makes its own gravy. I thought Joshua Perry, who played at Ohio State, put it really well. He said, you can talk about winning national championships all you want. And I, I, you know, he won one. He talks about how great it is. But he said, the fact that they put more first-rounders in the NFL than anybody else is the reason they will keep getting the best players because that is what recruits want. They just want to shake Roger Goodell's hand and make a bunch of money. Yeah. You know, and it's like a chicken and the egg thing, right? Uh, you get the best players in the country because you have the most draft picks, but you have the most draft picks because you get the best players in the country, you know, and it's kind of like a, a thing that it's really hard to break through in that cycle. And it's like funny when you put it Ohio state in those terms, because like I said on the show before the game, you could make the case that Ohio State's the most underachieving program in the country based on the results that they've gotten when compared directly to their recruiting results. And like this year was a, I would say, is a success for the Ohio State program. They beat the Clemson monster and, you know, reasserted themselves as a team that deserves to be in this, this discussion. But it's funny, Andy, when you go back, you could go back to March right at the beginning of when this pandemic started. And Alabama missed the playoff last year. And at a certain point, Alabama was in the 50s in the recruiting rankings, like midway through the cycle. And there was a, a, a sign of or a feeling of, is this the end of Alabama and Nick Saban? Is Nick Saban, they missed the playoff. Now the recruiting seems to be slipping. And it's just like, is this the end of the dynasty? And then you fast forward to January 11th. And not only did they win the national championship, but they rebounded from being in the mid 50s and that slow start to sign the best class in the history of recruiting. It is insane. And it's like, not only are they getting better, but they're setting themselves up for a run 
to continue doing this at the same clip. And if you go back and you compare the 2017 class to the, you know, the one of the greatest classes ever signed as the results have shown the 2021 class that they just signed is every bit as impressive. And it's just like, we're going to be sitting here in 2026 or 2025 talking about the same stuff because they are built to do this over the long haul. And the question really remains to me now is if Alabama is in a league of its own, how do teams like Ohio State and Clemson try to at least be in the same atmosphere? And I think it takes more than just beating them once or winning a national championship once. I mean, Clemson did that. And, you know, now, you know, signed the number five class and is coming off a blowout loss to the Ohio State team that just got blown out by Alabama. And Ohio State is losing Justin Fields and has a lot to replace. And it's just, it seems to me that even the other two teams that we're consistently comparing Alabama against are also a full half, full step, not half step, full step behind Alabama. And it's like, what else can a team like Ohio State do? They, they can't get better players. There, there's a certain cap on how good your recruiting class can be. And Alabama's class is insane in 2021, but Ohio State is one player away from matching it. They're I, I already doing that. They're there's, already there's doing only. The, I think there's only one program that can do this. And it's not one we've talked about yet. Let's talk about them. It's the one in Athens, Georgia. I, I know. I knew Georgia is the only one that could that could stop this from becoming an even bigger juggernaut. Which is even crazier to think. And I don't want to know if we want to turn this into a Georgia discussion, but the fact that Georgia hasn't really been able to get back there after coming in overtime away from doing it, and you know it's. Georgia is an interesting discussion because they are the most talented team on paper in college football. They have better players on their roster from top to bottom than Alabama does. And, you know, they didn't have their quarterback answer um, that they needed. And maybe if Justin Fields were on Georgia's roster this year, things would have been differently, gone differently. But, you know, you have Georgia, you have Ohio State, you have Clemson, and you have other teams like LSU and Oklahoma and maybe even Oregon now who, who in 2021 have recruited at a certain level that can make them compete at this at this clip. But it just doesn't seem like a rational thought. to th- Like, what would a team have to do to even do half of what Alabama's accomplished? Half. I, you're, you're, I think you're framing it wrong because there's not going to be a team that does this. There may be a team a decade from now, two decades from now, that does something similar. But there's not going to be a team that does this. There never was a team before that did this. Which I mean, is a way, We can yeah. go back to the 50s. Yeah, we can go back to the 50s in Oklahoma winning all those games in a row, but that was a completely different time. Everything was different. It's like, this, yeah. It's it's hard it, to, like, to like match it up, though, Andy, because in a world where only four teams are really competing to win a national championship, you would think that, it's easier for Alabama to win them the way that they are. But at the same time, the parity in recruiting that it's supposed to be and the fact that you have other teams like Georgia that are in their conference and Ohio State and now Clemson to a certain extent recruiting at the same at the same rate, it's like they have redefined what the ceiling of a team can be in college football. It's not even a thought process for these other teams to match that. And it's just like a reminder that we were talking on the show earlier about how Alabama might not have, you know, been the team that we think they are. They might be surprised by Ohio State. And before it was easy to think that because they gave up some points to Ole Miss and Florida. But when you watch a game like this and you try to reprogram your brain, it's like, what, what does this Alabama win mean for Clemson's ceiling? 
What does it mean for Ohio State's ceiling? What are those ceilings now in comparison to the ceiling that Alabama has created? And I would say that their ceiling is winning one every three or four years, and that's it. And really, like if you go back and think Ohio State's um, run in 2014, Ohio State beat Alabama, the worst Alabama team that there was in the playoff, but they did beat Alabama, and they went on to beat Oregon. They won a national title. They returned their entire team, and going into the 2015 season, that was what Ohio State was supposed to be, and that didn't happen. And now Ohio State built it back up with a new head coach and a transcendent talent at quarterback, and it still wasn't enough to beat the team that they were supposedly got over the hump beating seven years ago. So it's just like, to me, I don't even know, like, if you think about Ohio State and, like, how should they feel after this game, how should an Ohio State fan feel about the ceiling of their own program when you're facing a juggernaut that is leaps and bounds ahead of the program that you are right now? And four quarters ago, we might not have thought that. Well, I think you got to think of it like Charles Barkley. If Michael Jordan's not Michael Jordan, if if you don't come along at that time, or or Carl Malone and John Stockton, how many titles do do Charles Barkley or or Malone and Stockton do they win? Do they win one? Probably, but they didn't win one because Michael Jordan was there. And I think we have to think about Nick Saban in those terms. Because there have been a lot of programs and a lot of pretty special teams that have not won national titles because Nick Saban is the coach at Alabama. You know, and, and we won't even get into how many coaches in the SEC West have been fired because Nick Saban is the coach at Alabama. I mean, it, it is truly amazing how he has changed the sport. And you know, some people would say not for the better because one team being this good all the time does sort of diminish interest in the other places where they'd like their team to win every once in a while. So, uh, you know, I, it doesn't, but that's not Nick Saban's responsibility. You know, Nick Saban's job is keep winning games for Alabama and he's doing great at that. And I, here's the part that I think will probably frustrate and depress folks who are fans of other programs. You know, he's 69 years old right now. He'll turn 70 on Halloween during next season. I don't, feel like the end is anywhere in sight for him because I mean you you look at him he almost looks like he's getting younger there's like a Benjamin Button thing going on with him and then what would he do like how would he even fill the hours if he didn't coach I, I think you're stuck with him for at least five more years Andy the class that they just signed not more than a month ago will put them in the national championship game in 2024. Like that's, it's that simple. It's like five more years, maybe 10. I, I don't know. The guys that energize are bunny. I, 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 it's like, I always thought that when a coach signs a unbelievable class, that that guarantees that they'll be at that program for three or four more years because a coach doesn't want to leave that unless they get a promotion or uh, an NFL job or their Yeah, but remember for Nick Saban this is Tuesday. He signs an unbelievable I know, class no, I know. Year. I know I know, but for Nick Saban it doesn't count. Um and it's just it's remarkable because they're Nicole Auerbach wrote a story about how it's the same four teams in the playoff every year and how that can be kind of bad for the sport, but it's just like funny because this is just a reminder that it's Alabama and everybody else, even the other teams like the Ohio States and the Clemsons aren't in that category. And it's like 
it's annoying for all college football fans that have to keep watching the same three or four teams compete for the national championship every year. But even the other three or four teams behind Alabama who are doing that still aren't in Alabama's class. And in a world where they're recruiting similarly, the fact that he has designed a recruiting strategy that can can hold up and the developmental piece is continuing to be better. There's no reason other than he's a wizard that Alabama should be this much better than the teams that are in the same realm. It's like got to be frustrating if you're Ryan Day or you're Dabo Sweeney. It's like you go back and you go to the drawing board and you think, how do you catch this football team? And I remember back in 2012 when Urban Meyer took over, the whole thing at Ohio State was, how do you catch Alabama? How do you catch Alabama? How do you catch Alabama? And they ended up beating them in 2014. But given the fact that that was, again, the worst Alabama team that there was in the playoff era, Ohio State never caught them to begin with. No, Clemson might have caught them for a year, that, that second national title. But then that defensive line left. Trevor Lawrence is now moving on. They, they're not... They're not there either. You know, LSU caught them for a year. LSU is going to be really good next year. You look at what they're bringing back. Jake Pizza, the offensive coordinator, I think is going to do a good job. We'll see what Ed Orgeron does for a defensive coordinator. You know, if they do all right with the hiring there, they could be competitive, you know, because we don't know what Alabama is going to be. We know Devontae Smith's gone. Uh, if you've heard Mac Jones talk on, on Monday night, it, sh- it sounds like he's probably gone too. So, I mean, is he a first round draft pick? He might be. We had Dane Brewer on the on the show last week, and Dane said, Dane put it in an interesting way that I hadn't thought about. I I thought, okay, well, Max should come back because the quarterback class next year is is fairly weak. It's you know kind of Sam Howell, Keaton Slovis, not a lot of other big names, and so he could potentially be drafted higher. And Dane said, no, you might want to go out in a year that has a pretty good quarterback class because teams will just be foaming at the mouth to take a quarterback and. So you may actually get picked higher doing it that. And remember, you, there's no guarantee that your offense is going to be as good with no Devontae Smith next year at Alabama. So this might be a strike while they are in his hot time. Yeah, I mean, it's too bad that Alabama doesn't have any good quarterbacks on their bench. It's a shame. <laughs> shame they don't have any more five stars. <laughs> we'll be right back after these words. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When Alabama got the ball back right before the, the end of the first half and, and they're using timeouts, and you're like, okay, they're trying to score here. They're, they're trying to sink the dagger in. I was like, how much of, of this game is Bryce Young going to play? <laughs> if they would have scored again, yeah. I mean, it's 
You know, I think the biggest disappointment, though, Andy, is that Ohio State's offense didn't hold their up their end of the bargain. And I don't know if that is a, a scheme issue or if they weren't aggressive enough in times where they, they had a chance to score or, you know, they just simply weren't on the field much in the second half with the game in question. Because even when they, they scored to get at the 24 and they were down 38 to 24, you, you would think that they might get another possession with all the marbles on the line. But they never really had a possession where scoring another touchdown would have even done anything because their defense couldn't stop anyone. Well, but I, I go back to that drive where Alabama answered Ohio State's very very fast touchdown drive in the second half. And, you know, it, the, the amount of time that drive took, the the way Alabama kind of ground and pounded its way to, to the end zone, because it wasn't, that wasn't a, a big quick strike drive. That was a, a just death by a thousand cuts. And I think that probably demoralized Ohio State pretty yep. badly. You know, when, when you watch that happen to your defense, and then if you're, on the defense and having it happen to you, it's it's pretty tough to come back from that. So, uh, Ari, I, this has been just an incredibly weird season. I, I go back to our motto that we created before anybody actually started playing. There's a pandemic. They're doing the best they can. Everybody did the best they could this season. They got through it. Alabama was the best. There was no question. Nick Saban is a wizard. He may coach for another 10 years. We're sorry that, that we have to be the ones to inform you of this. Yeah. Well, if you needed to be informed of that, then you're not paying close enough attention to begin with. Um, it'll be very curious to see the way that uh, everything stacks up next year, Andy. I've got a feeling that we're going to be sitting here in about 360 days talking about the same three teams again. And, you know, that's just kind of the way that things are set up right now. But, you know, in terms of of how you can – you know, take what Nick has done and, or that's coach Saban to me, you know, you will refer to him as coach Saban, um, and, and try to duplicate oh, that at other have places. Have you gone fishing with him too? I, I've never gone fishing. I would love to go fishing with him, by the way. And then I would put it in my room. You would, you would want Nick Saban in your dinghy. I, I'm in Cabo and I saw some guy catch a 150 foot Marlin this week. I would love to do that with, with Nick Saban. Um, I think you mean 150 pounds because 150, 150 pounds is what I said. Sorry. It was a nine foot, 150 okay. pound Marlin. 150 feet would be like yeah. the size of a yacht, but <laughs> yeah, you know who no, could no. catch a 150 foot Marlin? Nick Saban. Nick Saban could. <laughs> if you gave him, if you said, Nick Saban, stop coaching football, you're going to become a Marlin fisherman. I mean, that's basically that's what all he's you're doing be for the next five years. <laughs> I know he's reinventing the sport. When you when you it's truly when you amazing. catch a five star prospect from Texas, is that like catching a Marlin? What if it's two of them? What if it's twins like the Brockermeyers? Two of them, you know. Yeah, I, I'm very curious because <laughs> there were some other there were some other secondary winners uh, on uh, after the game and during the game. Texas A and M fans they won a national title tonight, and Texas. It's a same score, baby. Same, same score. Same score. Uh, should have been in the playoff. All that stuff, and and of course, there's another winner in the state of wait, Texas. Wait, and but this, do, do, we're not allowed to go back and relitigate the Notre Dame game, are we? We can do whatever you want, they, man. It's they, your they name. They still on the didn't podcast. belong in the playoff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They still didn't belong in the playoff, right? They didn't. That, no. I, I do love that. I, <laughs> of course, they belonged. <laughs> they played them tougher than almost anybody did. Yeah, they did. Um, 
<laughs> but Texas too, big night for Texas, the state, because you know you oh. have a because I, I thought Sark played or called a beautiful game, and uh, some of those did. designs and getting him out as Devonte at the space in space, and you know the way that they they played that game. It's like I'm on the phone right now calling every five star prospect in the state of Texas, and I'm locking it down and ready to go. And you know, you, you, it's kind of a crazy situation because Ohio State's quarterback of the future is five star. <laughs> Uh, commit Quinn Ewers in the 2022 class and he was in uh, the Dallas area was once committed to Texas flipped to Ohio State now uh, Ewers got a front row seat of um, the guy who's calling the plays at Texas now taking down the team he's committed yeah, his, to. So, his signing days is 11 months away so uh, let's, yeah there's a lot of time you let's know not hand him to the Buckeyes just quite yet yeah yeah I, I wonder you know too it's just like things like that that can change the entire trajectory of the program and i'm not saying that he's going to flip back to texas or if recruits make a decision that's the biggest misconception ever that recruits will make a decision based on the results of a single game but when you look at um the the future of that program well, I don't, the, I, i'm not i'm not talking about him going to alabama i'm just talking about if if let's say he falls in love with Sark's offense. Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Texas. yeah, no, no, yeah. I don't know that he's going to Alabama, but if he flips back to Texas, that can change the trajectory of the Ohio State's program. So, you know, again, that's all speculation, and I don't know that he's watching a game thinking, I'm going to change my my pick again. Uh, but, you know, it's just kind of these, these reminders that, you know, these decisions from these recruits can really have a big impact. And, you know, Sark, I thought, did a pretty good job of inspiring some – some hope in, in a, at a program that should be competing at the same level that he just won a national championship at. So, you know, and Texas is one of the most talented rosters as we point out every week while trying to figure out why they're not better. Uh, and maybe this will be the right fit. So, you know, there's a lot of building blocks here in terms of how to stack up the, the hierarchy, but I want to know right now, and this is an interesting question that I've been meaning to ask you all day, uh, or at least once the game was over. Everybody wants to know what the final rankings are going to be in the AP poll for some reason, which doesn't mean anything, or what the final rankings would be in the play. It doesn't matter. What I want to know right now, what are Andy Staples' top five programs in America based on the results of the season? Not not just in the recruiting rankings, okay. all the context that you have. Like, What are the top five programs? And then I'll give you mine. Number one, Alabama. Yep. Number two, Ohio State. Number three, Clemson. Number four, Georgia, number five, Notre Dame. I'm in the same top four, but five would be Oklahoma for me. Okay. I, that's a good one because Oklahoma did end on a, a real hot streak. Their defense has gotten better under Alex Grinch. I still think Notre Dame has, has been consistently better or yeah, they're kind of, they're kind of five a and five B. When yeah. you think about it. Yeah, I mean, but, I guess. But no, I, I can't I can't argue with any of that. So, But I'm surprised. But that, do you think that Ohio State definitively jumped Clemson in the hierarchy right now? Right now. But that doesn't mean that that can't change. I mean, if Clemson gets a couple special players, and, and we know that Clemson's quarterback ascension is going to go fine. Uh, we saw DJ Uyunglele this year. So we, we know they're going to be good there. We don't exactly know what Ohio State's going to look like at quarterback next year. So that that is an, an issue. Georgia being settled at quarterback, getting so many players back, I, I think that's going to be a problem. I think too, LSU probably should get a little bit better of a look too at, at five. Well, only um, because 
this year was such a disaster because they they screwed up the coordinator hires. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason I'm not putting them there because you know they're not going to have a bunch of guys leave. They're going to have a ton of talent coming back. They are going to be a loaded roster next year. If they got those coordinator hires right, I'm telling you they're going to be really good. Yeah, the reason why I struggle with Notre Dame is because they signed the number nine class in the country, and you know their average player rating is considerably behind even Miami, Oklahoma, uh, Texas A&M, Oregon, LSU, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama. And I don't know that you know they have the skill there yet for me to to put them in a position to compete at that level but they're you know what they did this year making the playoff competing with alabama it's great i I just don't know whenever i think of like the programs i think about the sustainability factor and and a lot of that has to do with what players are coming into your program and you know oklahoma actually finished with the 10th best class so maybe they shouldn't be number five but they had a small class and they had some misses on some five-star kids they were in on late um but i do think that it's an interesting dynamic to see like what what team could potentially muck it up in the middle there and try to be the next one that 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 takes Alabama down because those other top three teams like I'm waiting for Georgia to break out. Um, Ohio State's going to be back there next year. So is Clemson. You know LSU, as you said, is going to be very good. And and A and M, you know, God bless them. They they signed the number seven class and had the best recruiting finish of anybody. And you know the fact of the matter is is that they had a very positive season. And you know Jimbo Fisher is getting paid a, a yacht a month to do uh, what he's doing. And you know I don't know. Hey. I'm just Considering how much it costs to fire Gus Malzahn and, and what South Carolina laid out to fire Will Muschamp and, and what Florida State laid out to fire Willie Taggart, I don't – Jimbo doesn't seem like he's that expensive anymore. Yeah, you know, uh, everybody uh, is out here with the unlimited checks right now, and, you know, some some programs are doing it differently. I thought that Michigan's whole – cut the salary in half type thing was kind of an interesting move. I'm, I'm very curious to see how that yeah. pans out long yeah, You want to make the same amount of money you did? Win the national title. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Love hey, it. it's kind of an interesting way of doing it. You know, save some well, like money. Actually and, earning the money you get paid? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a great idea. Well, earning the money you get paid hasn't been a, a non sequitur, sorry, a requirement for a lot of coaches here. Um, but, you, you, know, you know who earns every penny, Ari? I don't know who you're going to say. Why don't you tell us? Just surprise Nick me. Nick Saban. <laughs> Nick Saban earns every penny. He probably should be making $25 million a year. Probably He'd be worth it. every penny of that too. So that that's the only one. That's the definitive answer. It is Nick Saban. Ari, it has been a wonderful season. The good news is you and I will keep talking throughout the offseason. We're not that. done yet. And we'll make stupid bets. We didn't make a stupid bet on this game because we both thought the same thing would happen. And we're not going to force it. You still have to eat the chip of death. It's going to happen. I do, yes. Yep. So I want you to rest and enjoy the rest of your time in Cabo. We have a lot of work to do this offseason. I cannot wait. Thank you so much for listening throughout this season. It has been a pleasure I love talking about college football to you guys. I love talking about college football with Ari, as you can tell. Uh, I love talking about mall food court rankings with Ari. We need a random ranking, Andy. It's been a while. Well, I think we can probably do that sometime later this week. So (laughs) Good. uh, But it's been a pretty rough year for everybody. Getting to talk about college football with you guys has made it better for me. So I hope we have helped make your year a little bit better. And... We're going to keep right on rolling. So this isn't goodbye. This is, uh, I'll talk to you later this week. Thanks so much. <laughs>